Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Next, on the OHIO podcast, we break down Ohio State's two biggest rivals, Penn State and that team up north. Our friends of the Nittany Lions and Wolverine programs, Kevin Egan and Sean Butler, join us for a little preview, and we talk about the Big Ten's future. And that all starts right now. It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. The hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? I'm proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. It's time for the Best Buckeye Podcast. By fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OHIO! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Bars, recording live from a wet and soggy north central Ohio, where I'm joined by my co-host tonight from a little bit north of me in Marion, Ohio, Chris Wilds. Chris, how you doing this evening? Oh, it's great, Eric. Can't, can't ask for much more. I had a great day out there at the Tiffin Flea Market this last weekend and uh, wrapped that up this afternoon, came home. You know, it's raining and storming up there. It's been gorgeous down here since I got home. Beautiful. And down in Fort Hood, Texas, say hey to Mr. Sergeant MVP himself, Aaron Brown. Tell us how hot it is in Texas. Actually, it has cooled down. We're getting a lot of storms. Dude, before this past week, it hadn't rained since March, early April. So uh, my whole yard is dead. <laughs> it's just, it just now got the water that it needed to survive the summer a day late and a dollar short. I saw those I saw those pictures and little video of Austin starting soccer and I was like he's not playing on a soccer field he's playing on a a soccer dirt patch man yeah yeah they uh it would have been football but they don't offer that for three year olds yet so uh, soccer it is just to get him out there and being social you know well, I'm sure Aaron's offering football in the backyard for little Austin I'm, I'm oh sure he already he already knows how to catch he's not potty trained but he can catch a football I saw the touchdown dance man yeah. Yeah, I told him spike it. He knew what to do. I didn't even tell him what that was. He knew what to do. It's in the DNA, man. It's in the DNA, like daddy. Something. <laughs> hey, did you did you coach at Liberty? No. Okay. I coached at uh, Lewis Center. Old All right. They. I watched them uh, Friday night. They played uh, Pick Central. And it was on mm-hmm. TV. 
Pick Central spanked them, dude. It got so bad they had a running clock in the second half. <laughs> what was the score? <laughs> it was in the second half. It was it was 42 to zero in the midway through the third quarter. And after a pick six, they just sort of like, OK, running clock. Oh, what happened? That's where I went to high school was Liberty. That's where I graduated and played at. But I uh, thought I knew there was something going on there. Yeah, I don't know what happened, man. They were in the state final four like the last like three out of five years or something, and now you're getting spanked by Central. Like, well, but Pick Central is one of the best programs in the state of Ohio. So I know, but imagine if Sonny Styles had been out there still. True. Good. Po- I know. I know. That's Ouch. crazy. Here he is in the in the backfield. He's apparently the secret weapon for Ohio State this year on defense. All right, you know who's not going to be the secret weapon this year on offense? That's going to be Evan Pryor, guys. He, he suffered a season-ending uh, ACL injury on Monday. Let me start with you, Aaron. You were a coach, man. I got to imagine that this, this is a blow uh, to the running back room and to the offense. He's not the starter. I don't even know that he was necessarily the second string running back, but they were going to have some set plays for Evan Pryor this year. Maybe from a coach's perspective here, uh, what do you think of the Evan Pryor injury? Well, uh, it sucks. <laughs> That's uh, is really no better way to put it. It, it really sucks, um, you know, because they, they had plans for the kid. He was going to be – we were about to have a three-headed monster in the backfield this year. Um it hurts with what you can call on offense, you know, a kid that dynamic. Uh, I, I touched on, I think it was either last week or week before that, you know, his his route running ability and, and his receiving ability. And it's not that Mayan and, and Travion can't, but he does it a little differently and he has a little bit of different, a different feel. You know, you brought up, uh, what was it, uh, Curtis Samuel. You know, Travion is is great. Mayan is great in their own respect, but they're not Curtis Samuel. You know what I mean? And and, and Chris brought it up too. Like imagine having Beanie Wells, uh, you know, uh, basically the mix of the best running backs we've seen in the last 15, 20 years, all in the same backfield. We're missing out on that. You miss that dynamic punch, one, two, three punch. You know, usually you talk one, two, this is one, two, three. You don't see that too often. And it just takes away something that Ryan Day could have could have ran on on opponents this year. Also takes away some depth. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, you have if Travion Henderson gets banged up or heaven forbid, if him and Mayan Williams get banged up. Now we're 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 going to a, a true freshman in Dallin Hayden. Yep. And, you know, that's happened before. You know, we've seen that before at Ohio State. It's it's turned out all well, all, all well but Travion Henderson was a five-star. J.K. Dobbins was a high four-star, should have been a five-star if he wouldn't have been injured his senior year of high school. Dallin Hayden is not these guys. I think Dallin Hayden's got the chance to be good. I don't know that Dallin Hayden is those guys. So are you saying to me that Mitch Rossi can't get it done? At fullback? At any back. <laughs> no, but we might have a kicker who could get in that room. Hey. <laughs> he's a he's a Swiss Army knife, man. You know who uh, who probably could? They could put it running back, even though he's not been in there. But he's done everything else. Kate Stover. Yeah. yeah. Kate yeah. Stover would knock some heads, dude. He would. He'd just run through people. I would love. I'd see it, yeah. <laughs> Chris, your thoughts, man, on this terrible injury. Well, you know, first of all, I feel sorry for the young man. Uh, it is a huge loss. As Aaron mentioned, you know, this is a guy who could have the impact of a Curtis Samuel type player. 
you know, he can run the ball well. He's an excellent receiver, excellent route runner. And I believe, really believe based on everything that, uh, you know, that I had heard that, you know, his, his role was going to be increased this year. And, you know, like you said, Eric, he provided depth. He was a security blanket if Henderson or, or Williams goes down. So while I think Dallas Hayden is, is I think he's going to be a star bench. I think he's going to be capable. He reminds me a lot of maybe like a Mike Weber when he first came in. Um, you know, and that, that turned out okay. But right now, he just doesn't have the versatility of the skill set, that skill set to do what Pryor is capable of doing. No. So, I mean, honestly, by the end of the season, I think Hayden is probably a pretty decent running back for us. But right now, if one or two goes down, I think we're in real trouble at the, at the running back position. That being said, I'm not worried because I'm pretty confident that one and two, looking at our early schedule with the exception of maybe Notre Dame, should be all right. So, you know, it hurts. It was a big loss to, I think, the offense and the offensive scheme. But overall, I, I think we're going to be okay. So let me throw this out there because this has been a pet peeve of mine. And, and I, I started reading this stuff, and it made me so upset. I hate when people say, oh, tough injury, next man up. Sometimes there's not a next man up. No, I mean, it depends on the skill set. You know, like I said, Hayden, I think, is going to be a very capable running back. But he doesn't have the skill set. If Henderson goes down, you know, Evan Pryor was capable of stepping up. Ryan Williams is capable of stepping up, but they don't have that same skill set. So it's not as simple as next man up when you're calling, talking about a skill position, I don't believe. And every time, here's the other time you hear this, next man up, and then they go straight to Cardale Jones. Every time. It's like, guys, like, where was the next man up when we had injuries on the offensive line? Right, exactly. Dude, that's like hitting the lottery. That's not – how many times have you ever seen that happen? A third stringer come in and win a national title? You haven't. That's One it, time. That's exactly. How many people do you know hit a million on the lottery? You probably don't know anyone yet. Exactly. Anybody. You know what I mean? It, it, the chances are so slim that that ever happens again. Like, come on. Although I'm pretty sure our wives would say we did when we got them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So, yeah, our, our, of course, our thoughts are with Evan Pryor. He seems to have a really good attitude as he's already jumped into this uh, uh, re rehab that he's got. He's got a long way ahead. I don't even know that he returns next year at full strength. You know, that that's an injury, especially at a running back. That could take some time. And, and hey, kudos to that guy, to Pryor as well, for, for cheering on Hayden. You know, as well, he he came out and supported Hayden, even though you know he, he was kind of suffering at this time for it. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the big Big Ten news, man. Uh, Chris, we have some new television partners starting in 2023. Oh, we sure do. And what I love about it, and you know, I know some people are upset that they're apparently game day will not be at Ohio Stadium uh, anymore, but. I don't know that game day is what it used to be, first off. And number two, man, when you see the money in this contract that the Big Ten is going to be getting, plus the, just the the um, the exposure that yeah. the Big Ten is going to get every single Saturday starting next year, I love this deal. Tell everybody about it. 
Well, I'll tell you, this is really a, a huge deal. We're talking about over $8 billion that's going to be split between those 14 teams in the conference that are there right now. We're talking about $71 million per school, Eric. That's huge. And even when you get UC, USC and UCLA in the mix, we're still talking about $62.5 million per school. I mean, that is just an amazing amount of revenue coming off this TV deal. And on top of that, I mean, obviously, you've got the money there. Obviously, as you talked about, we now have the widest exposure of any conference in college sports. Uh, you know, we've been key in all the big markets, and now we got all the, the different networks carrying, the, carrying us for this. And, it, you know, along with that money, I, you know it's coming. It's coming sooner rather than later. C.J. Stroud mentioned it, revenue sharing. And once that comes into the mix, with all the money being thrown around, how do the other conferences compete when you've got, I mean, you've got blue bloods like Ohio State, like that team up north, like Penn State, like even USC who's new coming to the conference. How? Do you, I mean, they were already getting the top recruits. How do you now compete if you are, I mean, yeah, if you're in Alabama, you're still going to be in the mix. If you're in Georgia, you're still in the mix. Anybody else, it's going to be hard. And even for those guys, when, when we can say, you know what? You not only have NIL opportunities, but we're going to give you revenue sharing, and it's part of the biggest deal in college sports. If you're a recruit, how do you pass that up? Well, all right, let's back up before we dive in head over heels there. You hypothetically are going to get a noon kickoff on Fox. You're going to get a 3.30 on CBS and an 8 o'clock on NBC every single week. And correct me, we also correct me if I'm wrong, but we also have the the uh, Peacock streaming as well, right? Yes, and I can already hear the jokes about being on the cock. So let's just <laughs> not be immature. Oh, for God's sakes! So uh, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna throw that one out sometime. <laughs> when Rutgers is on the cock, it's just you know that joke makes itself. I'm sorry. Same with Jim Harbaugh. Well, cough, cough. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, <laughs> I'm just saying he has spent the night at recruits' houses and stuff. Oh, Aaron! Oh Aaron. man, you should not have gone there. Hey, Chris. I'm gonna just throw that one out there. Um, so you have the streaming service, you have the Big Ten Network, and and literally all day on a Saturday. And here's the thing: Kevin Warren has already said, and we're gonna get into this in just a minute. Expansion is not done. And this the this deal has a lot to do with the Big Ten expanding further and the revenue continuing to grow based on the expansion that's going to be happening. <clears throat> Notre Dame, for one, uh, more teams out west, probably Washington, Oregon, maybe Stanford. Uh, you're hearing Miami in that mix. You're hearing uh, TCU, which is the Dallas market in that uh, mix. You're hearing North Carolina, Virginia. Um, there's just these these rumors floating around. And literally, if you're in the ACC, the Big 12, or the Pac-12 at this minute, how are you going to compete with the Big 10? Now, the SEC is going to compete because they still have that contract with ESPN. It's not as lucrative as the one the Big 10 just uh, struck with three networks. However, this is a blow to the SEC and to ESPN. 
Because what the Big Ten is is doing is they're saying, if you want to play with the big boys, you're going to have to be in the Big Ten now. How is ESPN going to match that, number one, for the SEC when you have three networks? And then how are they going to also share that revenue with the Pac-12, the ACC, and the Big 12? It's not going to happen. Yeah. This, this was a strategic move by Kevin Warren and the Big Ten directed, directed right at the SEC and ESPN. It's exactly what it is. And quite frankly, I love it because I'm sick of them. Yeah, so, I'm with you. At the, it's, it's, for so long, there's been such SEC bias yes. in the media. Well, I'll tell you what. Guess what? Step up and take notice because there is a new sheriff in town. All right, so here's here's a little bit more of the breakdown for you guys. So, um, you know, like I, I, I broke down kind of what you can expect on a daily basis on, on air times. But here's the other thing that they did. So Fox is going to get the Big Ten championship game uh, every other year on the odd year. So 2023, 2025, 2027, and 2029, uh, that's where the Big Ten championship game will be. CBS gets it in 2024 and 2028. NBC will get the Big Ten Championship game, excuse me, in 2026. Now, that's just football. Basketball is a whole different ballgame. You have CBS on Saturdays now. You have Fox, of course, uh, on Saturdays. You have FS1 in the Big Ten Network during the week uh, showing uh, Big Ten basketball games. Uh, and so even the, the basketball in the Big Ten now all of a sudden is got a lot more money than any other conference, too. And so although the ESP, ESPN is going to be able to show SEC, Big 12, Pac-12 in basketball, AC, you know, ACC, et cetera, these other programs, man, with the Big 10, I think even the exposure for basketball is incredible here. So there's just a lot of positives from this. In all honesty, I don't see too many negatives. And I'm just going to throw it out there. I think Big Noon kickoff is better than uh, ESPN game day anyways. I don't know how you guys feel, but I – I agree, and, and we got Urban back on there. And, and, and you know, Urban's back now. I know you're not a big fan, Aaron, of, of Urban Meyer as a human being, but he was pretty good on that uh, big noon kickoff. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely was. Hey, look, I'm not one to judge. We all make mistakes, right? I'm not saying that he's my favorite person on earth, but when it comes to football, he's the man. You know what I mean? And I have to respect that he knows his job and he does it well. And I really like him like in his position on the, the, the noon kickoff, the big noon kickoff. I think he does a really nice job there. All right. Um, so Kevin Warren hinted at in an interview that big 10 expansion is not done. I threw it out there. Chris, I'm going to kick it to you, man. What are you hearing? Number one, number two, what does this contract mean for expansion? And number three, where's this thing going to go in your mind? Well, first of all, is, is it just me, or did Karen Warren shed that skin and come out of this looking like a badass commissioner? He's no longer Karen to me. He's, no, he, 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 is uh, got, he is starting to earn a little bit of respect. <laughs> I mean, just look at what he and the conference leadership have done in the last year. I mean, systematically, we have dismantled the Pac-12. The, the conference has secured the largest media deal in all of college sports. And just when you think it can't get any better, he says, nope, we're not done yet. We're just starting. We're, we're going to just starting to have fun. Honestly, I could see this team or this conference area going to possibly 24 teams. You know, maybe even 32. Who knows? 
Good it's Lord. no longer the NCAA, the SEC, and the Big Ten, and everybody else. It's now the AFC and the NFC and the Arena League at this point. <laughs> it really is. Uh, you know, and, you, you know, Buckeyes fans, we as Buckeye fans, we love to win. Well, let me tell you, we're winning right now. Mm-hmm. This, this is a huge win. And you mentioned it, Eric. We've got USC. We've got UCLA. Oregon and Washington, I think, are already on the hook. We're just waiting to reel them in. I've heard the possibility, of, as you said, Stanford and even Cal, possibly. Uh, however, I believe a lot of this, too, I, I think a lot of it's to pressure Notre Dame, like you said. What, what are we going to do? What's Notre Dame going to do if, if the Big Ten comes out and says, okay, you don't want to be a part of our conference? That's okay. You can't play our conference teams. Right. There goes your USC rivalry. There goes, you know, it was always Notre Dame with either Michigan, Michigan State. Purdue. Always one of those two was on the schedule. Or the occasional Ohio State rivalry like we have the home and home now. I think this is partially done to force Notre Dame's hand and, and get them into the conference. And I think eventually it does go there. I think that the way they're expanding, which Kevin Warren has said, we're going to expand when and how it's right and how it makes sense. I would not be surprised, like you said, TCU and going after that Dallas television market. I would not be surprised at all. Don't put Boston Co- or Boston College out of the mix. Trying to get into that, secure that Boston television market. Uh, you know, possibly trying to pilfer one from the Big 12. Maybe try to get West Virginia over there which is a great rivalry geographically for schools like Ohio State, like Penn State, uh, even Maryland, you know. I I don't know where this ultimately ends up. I think it is a minimum of 24 teams, though, in the end. And I think that we bury some of these other conferences in the process. Well, let me bring this up because I remembered reading an article, and I actually have it pulled up right now. Um, you remember either last week or week before I mentioned about the NC when we did our true or false game, the NCAA will cease to exist as we know it within the next 15 years. Yes. Well, ironically, this past week, I find this article. Uh, it's on SI.com. Uh, I'm going to read just a little bit of it for you guys. Members of the college football playoff board of managers are talking about what could be a radical move in the sports history. Uh, According to a report from ESPN, the board began discussions on changing the way college football is governed and are considering breaking away from the NCAA entirely. This is said to be the first such discussion from members of the college football playoff, something the group should think more about in the future. So with that, does CFP go away? Does NCAA go away if the Big Ten expands to as many teams as you're saying, which I could see as well. If they if they tap into those markets, how do the recruits say no? Right. SEC can be as great as they, they want to claim it is on ESPN, but if the talent is in the Big Ten and it's hitting those media markets, where's the money going to be? What are the players doing? They want to get paid as well as get developed well enough to hit the league. So with that, do they see it? Does the CFP attach itself to the Big Ten and then break away from the NCAA? I could, uh, see almost, you know, I could see almost it going to. You have 
and a Big Ten champion, and you have an SEC champion, and then you've got a Super Bowl type playoff, uh, Super Bowl type game. Well, the CFP would have to endorse that, though. Yes. And, and I could see that possible. Aaron, who, who was the author of that article? Let's give that person credit um, on the show here real quick. Yeah, yeah, my fault, my fault. That's okay. Let me I see just here. Want, uh, just James, to make sure. Yeah, James Park. James okay. Parks, that's who it is. Thank you. So, I mean, if, if uh, Chris, if they break away, you know what I mean, and we try to, to mash this into a, a Super Bowl-type situation, I, I mean, are they playing by the CFPs and the Big Ten's breakaway rules, or is the NCAA still overseeing the SEC and, and whoever else at that point? If we do it, we're gonna, we'll have something, and it's going to be like Eric's talked about in the past. I think we have a commissioner that oversees it. Okay, that's that's kind of what I was trying to figure out, because this I mean, obviously, this is like in the future type discussion and it's so far away, maybe not in time, but you know what I mean? So far away in development. We don't know what this thing's going to look like, but it's fun to talk about. Well, we've seen we've seen them jump in, though. We've seen the conferences jump in. We've seen the NCAA jump in. And just make changes and not having completely thought them through. Let's look at the whole NIL situation. That's a fact. So would it, would it be fact. all that surprising for them to jump in, maybe not having everything ironed out? I don't no. think so. No. Well, they've been, they've been talking about needing guardrails for a while for a lot of this. And I think that is kind of what you're hinting at, Aaron, is having a committee that oversights this, that creates those guardrails to kind of make – the, the playing field a little level for everybody is it ever is it going to be completely level is indiana going to be on the same level as a usc in ohio state no they never will be but i think what they want to be able to do is 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 they say okay if we have revenue sharing here's your contract and then outside of that what you can make in nil in the rules and here's the rules for nil that is based off you and the market that you're in and so What's what's really difficult for that for say someone like you know Alabama Tuscaloosa is not the same as Dallas Texas and it actually gives TCU the ability someone like TCU the ability to recruit closer to the level that Alabama is is at when you have revenue sharing in there along with the the possibility of making NIL money now what I think will happen is you will have revenue sharing level it'll be it'll be across the board here's what it is per player and your nil they will say takes effect after you've been on campus for a year i could see that and what that does is it takes recruiting nil recruiting out off the board and it eliminates when yours yeah exactly exactly and so if that happens, then all of a sudden, I think your playing field is a lot more level um, ground. And I think that's what they're trying to work towards is something that creates a little bit more of, of that um, of, of a little bit fairer game for everybody. All right, let's take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I had the opportunity to sit down with our a resident Michigan and Penn State fans, Sean Butler and Kevin Egan. You'll hear those interviews, and then after a second commercial, you'll co- we'll come back, the three of us, to respond to those and give you our Penn State and Michigan previews for 2022. So hang tight. The OHIO Podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. 
Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. Hey, welcome back to the OHIO podcast, everybody. I'm now joined by my good buddies, Sean Butler. He is your Michigan fan who I actually like. And Kevin Egan, our Penn State fan, who I like. And, boys, it's good to see your faces. In your case, Kevin, I see your face. Sean, I, it, it's it's good to hear your voice. I don't know if it's ever good to see your face, but it's definitely good to hear your voice, my man. It's probably not. I, you know, I break a lot of mirrors with my great looks. So <laughs> You did look good in your wedding wedding pictures, though. I will give you that. Well, you looked good, too, when I met you for lunch not too many months ago. It was great seeing you. Of course, the weather was great, and uh, it was awesome to get down there and catch up with you. Uh, Kevin, we we live way too close not to catch up with one another. We're going to have to – hey, I tell you what, maybe one of these days you can take me to a Penn State game. That would be a lot of fun. I'd go with you to Happy Valley. That would be a road trip I'd be willing to make. Yeah, that would be amazing. I might be heading to the big house this year for the first time. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> yeah, Sean, we got Sean on the hook, Aaron and I, when Aaron gets out of the military, when Ohio State goes to the big house, all three of us are going to go to that game together. So that's that is on that is on the bucket list for Aaron. So and he couldn't be with us for this recording as we record this on Saturday. This, of course, will be posted tomorrow night, Sunday evening. But guys, it's time to break down your favorite programs. And as Buckeye fans, it's the programs that we love to hate. Uh, in Sean's case, it's the program that we hate to hate at this moment because, as he wor- worded to me as we uh, jumped on here, he has the higher ground for the first time. So um, it's going to be a lot. It's all be a lot of fun. It'll be very interesting where you guys go. Sean, let's just start there, man. It's been an amazing off season for you as as a team up north fan, dude. You have had, to, I'm sure, revel in the fact that us Buckeye fans have been miserable ever since that November day. What kind of offseason have you had as a fan of that program? Uh, I guess you can say very tumultuous, not a very good one, uh, with Harbaugh trying to flirt with the NFL, playing with everything you know that comes to the program. It was kind of BS, if you want me to be blunt, honest with you. Um, the team that we're returning, I think, is pretty solid, and I think we got a good group of people returning. But the way Jim Harbaugh went about it, trying to manipulate the NFL versus Michigan to get a pay raise was kind of BS and juvenile, in my opinion. So let's let's start there a little bit then, because you you mentioned it, that he's had a tumultuous offseason. This coaching staff, there's been a lot of turnover there. How do you feel about the guys he has brought in? Are you confident that this team is going to be as well as coached as they seem to have been last year? Um, with Gaddis being gone, I think is a bonus and is a good thing because of what we discussed, why he left in the first place when we met for lunch that one day. And for Mc, uh, Mike McDonald to come in for one year, then go right back to John Harbaugh in the NFL, really not a surprise. But when it came down to last year, picking between the new DC now and Mike McDonald, they're neck and neck. I think it's going to be a seamless transition. Okay, so it sounds like you're pretty confident that at least the they're good, the players are going to be getting the right coaching and development and and the right play game planning as far as installation of a game plan heading into the season. Now I got to ask you, dude, what's up with the schedule? It is as soft as baby poop, man. Well, 
sounds like an Ohio State schedule for once. I mean, oh, re- oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what you're playing? What you're playing your own linebacker as a head coach with Laurinaitis being on staff at Notre Dame coming into the horseshoe for the first time. Well, congratulations on playing a big game, the first game out of the gate for the first time in, what, 15 years? I don't know. We played Virginia Tech for the, in the first game a couple of years ago as, a, as an opener wow. on the road. On the wow. road. Wow. Wow. Virginia Tech has not been <laughs> relevant since that was Vick. That was a team that beat us, though, in, the, in, in, in 2014. We won national championship. That was our lone loss was the VT. So, uh, yeah. you know, it's it's it's. Power five school is decent. I mean, it's about about like Michigan State, who you guys lose to all the time. So it's it's ACC. Come on, it's horrible. Uh, let's flip it over to Happy Valley, Kevin. How what kind of off season have you guys had? I mean, your coach is a lot richer. Well, yeah, the whole program in general. Um, they they hired a bunch of analysts to get on you know same page as Ohio State and Alabama and all those big schools and big investments into the. Uh, the whole program and, you know, hire Manny Diaz as a defense coordinator, you know, head coach uh, of the defense and just a lot of growth as a program. I just got a question that you guys going to bring out the turnover chain. I, I, that's been, <laughs> that's been a question. I do not think so, but who knows? We have the, the lawn boys chain. So who knows? <laughs> I guess we'll see against Michigan and Ohio state. Oh, there we go. There it is. All right. Uh, Kevin, as a, as a, as a fan, as a Penn state fan, this off season, man, I, I got to ask you what your expectations are, because I, as I've been doing the previews, of course, we know that we know that that team up North is going to really only get three games on their schedule. Um, I, I, I think, I actually think four, because I think Maryland is a lot better than what people think. I know their defense is really soft, but that offense is going to be legit. But outside of those games, they don't really have a tough one. Penn State's got a tough one on the road down in Auburn. That that's that's not an easy game. You start on the road in Purdue. That's not an easy game to start the season off. That schedule's not easy. What is your expectations as a fan going into the season? Uh, it's kind of hard because I always wear my blue and white goggles, but to look yeah. at the reality of what I expect, um, you know, I think, you know, nine and three would be a, you know, if you're going running down that schedule, you know, I think nine and three would be, you know, pretty decent. Okay. Uh, Sean, we know you're going to be expecting to be 11 and 0 going into the, into the horseshoe final game of the regular season. I mean that that would be my expectation if I were you. Yes, absolutely. Okay, that, that, at least we're clear there. All right, all right. So that being said, why don't you break down for everybody what Michigan is bringing into the season? Some of the big guys that are coming back. Some of the maybe the the headlines that you've been reading about. I know there's a quarterback battle. It seems like of some kind going on there. The big mystery around how much McCarthy's going to get to play. But break down for everybody who's listening what they can expect from that team up north when the season starts in two weeks. Um, I think you're going to see, A, the best offensive line in America. They have the fifth-year uh, transfer in center from Virginia Tech, of all places. Uh, how do you say his name? Osalong Otawani. Close enough. That's, that's better than what I could have done. And uh, with them having the best offensive line in the nation with Blake Corum and 
and Mr. Edwards, I think our backs are going to be just fine. And then you start throwing in the fact that Ronnie Bell is back and Mr. All at tight end. I think our offense is on par with Ohio State. So let's talk a little bit about that quarterback. Who do you think is going to play the most? I know they're both going to play, it sounds like. Um, what part of the season are you referring to? I think well, McNamara is going to start. Okay. I think about the fourth game of the year, you're going to see J.J. take the realms, and it's all history from there. Really? Yes. So you don't think that McCarthy's going to start, and then he's going to go, or or, J, or, or the other guy's going to start, and then they— K's going to start game one in two weeks, okay. and over a period of time, I think by the fourth or fifth game, J.J. McCarthy will be established as the Michigan starter moving forward. All right. Same question for you, Kevin. A breakdown Penn State for everybody, what the expectations are. And, of course, you guys have an established quarterback, so really no quarterback controversy there. But as we talked, I guess, months ago, you guys have more depth at that position finally, and you feel a little bit better about your quarterback depth than you did last year. Absolutely. The backup quarterback can can actually get a snap off this time. But if you look back last year, we were 5-0, and ranked number five in the nation, playing against Iowa, and we were beating them, and then Clifford got hurt. Mm-hmm. Clifford doesn't get hurt. We win that game. We're 6-0. and We're probably ranked number two or three in the nation after that game. And who knows what would happen. So expectations this year with Clifford back in the second year under uh, Yersich, and we have weapons everywhere. The question is – is our offensive line going to suck as bad as it did last year or if they're actually going to be decent? Looking at it, I think we've had three upgrades over last year. The right right tackle is still worries me. Uh, we have the same guy, Caden Waltz. Um, but overall, the line should be better. Franklin has been mum about it because every year he says, oh, the line's going to be better, the line's going to be better, right. and it hasn't been. So it's kind of been, it's kind of like, are they going to be better or not? You know, and we'll see a next, uh, on September 1st at Purdue. Then, uh, defensively we're stacked at, on the defensive line. We got, uh, uh, Adisa Isaac that was supposed to start last year that went down in preseason camp. He's going to be back. Chop Robinson from the, the transfer from Maryland, I guess he's just been unreal. The five-star transfer. Who would have been, he would have been Maryland's best defensive player. Right. And he's, so. just, and he's just one of ours. He's right. not the best. Um, DBs, we have a bunch of guys projected going, going to the NFL next year of DBs. The question is linebacker. We have a linebacker battle at, at the middle linebacker position, which is the coach of the defense. You know, mm-hmm. So that's going to be – Interesting to see, you know, they'll both play. Elson and uh, King will both play. It's interesting to see who's going to play well and lead that defense. And also with Manny Diaz, to see what kind of tweaks he does. Um, I already know the Sam linebacker, our hybrid safety linebacker, has gone smaller this year. So it's more of a safety. Actually, as a former safety, is going to be starting there. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see, especially in the Big Ten with all the teams that run. So, yeah. biggest. So you think the biggest question mark, if I hear you right, is linebacker, not offensive line, for you personally. No, offensive line is the biggest, and okay. on the defense, the biggest is linebacker. 
Sean, biggest question mark for the Michigan team this year. Is it that defense? I mean, you guys lost a lot of pieces. I mean, you had one of the best defensive linemen uh, in the Big Ten for a long time, and that and he's and he had to be mentioned in the same breath as Chase Young and and uh, Joey Bosa. I mean, he his production was that good, so much so that you made me change my profile picture to Aiden Hutchinson. <laughs> you jerk! But uh, <laughs> I will get you back for that, by the way. Uh, but uh, is that the biggest question mark? Is this defense? Um, I think the defense is going to be solid because they were able to rotate a lot of players in and out. Um, I'm going to name a guy named Mazzy Smith that you guys mm-hmm. may or may not know of, yep. but he will probably be first team all American this year. And the way he's going to be able to stop the run game is going to be remarkable. And I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but we just had a former five-star Alabama or mm-hmm. rough, uh, defensive end just transfer in this week. It'd be kind of fun to see how he does. But I think um, we have a guy named Will Johnson who is a freshman coming in who they say is Charles Woodson 2.0. So I'm very, very excited to see what this kid brings to the table. But I think with our offense being able to keep pace with most any teams in America, it comes down to special teams. And with Jake Moody coming back, being the punter slash field goal kicker, that will be the huge difference for us this year. You almost sound like you, like you're uh, a, like supporting Jim Trestleball there, talking about special teams. I like it. Uh, yeah. So we, we we we've we've been as Ohio State fans, you know, we're we're always looking over the fence at what's going on up there uh, once we pass through Toledo, and so we're we're aware of who you got. Um, I believe that the recruit that you guys just picked up or the transfer you just picked up from Alabama was the highest rated recruit you've had uh, alongside J.J. McCarthy, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Correct. But my so. but my fear about this kid is he went to Alabama, you know, he played a little bit and he transferred to all these other different schools. And, right. you know, he transferred to Michigan this year from UT Martin. What the heck's that? You know, it's like, what, he played at Ohio State in York? It doesn't make any sense. So <laughs> so I think this kid comes with some type of baggage I'm not too sure about yet, but it's always an X factor. Uh, all right. So let's 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 talk about this. Uh, let's break down your schedule a little bit on your on your big games. I'll start with you first, Sean. I'll come to you next, Kevin. Sean, you guys go you, you host Sparty this year. And it was talked about it in during Big Ten Media Days. That is the seems like the one game you guys, other than the, the last one at the end of the year, the game that you guys have circled that you have to win, that you're going to win something that hasn't been done in the last couple of years since Mel Tucker's gone there. I am as an Ohio State fan. Am I reading the room correctly that this is a big time game for you guys? Uh, if they're playing it underneath the lights like Sparty's complaining about, absolutely. All right, so that that's a big one. Any fear at all and anything else other than Ohio State on that schedule? Anything that you kind of think might be a trap game or anything? No, sir. All right, let's talk about that Purdue game, Kevin. That one's that's that's a scary game. I, if I'm a betting man, I'm staying away from that thing, man. As an Ohio State fan, I can tell you, you go into Purdue, they can get you. They can absolutely get you. Let's start from there, dude. What are your as a as Penn State fan? This is a big one. It's kind of like us with Notre Dame. Not that I'm putting Purdue and Notre Dame on the same level, but it is not a cakewalk like Sean gets in Week One. Right. Um, I'm worried. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. We'll see what we are. You know, first game of the season. 
You know, we're not like you said, we're not going to play a bunch of cupcakes and then wait until a Big Ten season to see who we are. Um, with you know having a six-year quarterback going into that environment, I'm not really. I think we'll. I think we'll win, and I honestly think we'll win big. But it is scary. How about going on the road uh, against Auburn? I kind I love that. As a Big Ten fan, I'm like, heck yes, let's do it. Let's go down to their in their backyard and beat them. Like I, I'm all for. I'm a huge Penn State fan that day. I hate the SEC. Right? We all do. But so I was rooting like heck for you guys last year. Now to go to their yard, big your their yard. If you can go and win that game and you start three and zero, does that completely change the expectations for you guys? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It was just like last year. You know that was. The Auburn game was the question mark heading into, you know, deeper into the season. The Auburn game, and that was a tough game, you know. And, you know, it does worry me. And I honestly am not confident until I see what we do against Purdue um, about the Auburn game. All right. And then, of course, uh, you guys get to host the Buckeyes this year, but it sounds like it will not be a night game. No. So what are your thoughts as a Penn State fan? <laughs> I I hate that it's not a night game. You know, um, it's a, Ohio State and Michigan, they're both our biggest games of the year at home every other year. Right. It is good that we get to do the whiteout against a different team. You know, it's kind of good that other teams get to, you know, taste it. Uh, uh, but... Man, every year Ohio State should be a night game. If we're at Ohio State or Ohio State's at our place, it should be a night game no matter what. And obviously, look at the environment right behind me on my wall. That's actually against Ohio State right there. <laughs> uh, whiteout right behind me. So it's a bummer. It's not a whiteout, but I still think I don't know, man. It's probably going to be a noon game. I know you guys like you guys always play Michigan at noon, but it's hard to get up for noon games. You know, obviously it'll be up because it's Ohio State, but man, there's nothing compared to a night game against Ohio State. It's got to be one of the top, top. I would say top three environments in college football. Uh, I would love to experience it. All the players always talk about how it's the loudest game they've ever played in. Um, it's you know what I think what is it 103 how many 106 yeah, I can't. it's 107,000 107 okay typically the wideouts they can hit up to 110 they just stack find three find a place for 3,000 more people somewhere in the stadium <laughs> yeah it, it's a lot of the it's a lot of recruits and stuff on the sidelines and things yeah. that adds the, that number you brought up recruiting Kevin let's talk recruiting holy crap what a great class 2022 was for Penn State. I, as a Ohio State fan, you get people who who worship the Buckeyes and and they live, breathe, and eat recruiting. But <laughs> you know, there's a lot of fans that they start they like they they start listening to the podcast right now, so they haven't followed recruiting. Penn State had one heck of a class in 2022. It, I think they were what. I know they were top 10 nationally. I think they were, they were like, five or six. Yeah. Like they were really high and they were right behind Ohio state in the big 10. That is how many of those guys are going to play. Cause that's a ton of talent. And two of which are right here from Ohio. One from Westerville. Yes. Good old Caden Saunders. Stole him right from under. He didn't, he didn't even <laughs> visit Ohio state. He's like, I don't, I don't want nothing to do with Ohio state, man. You know who that reminds me of? 
Kajana yeah. Carter was that a Westerville like product. Yeah. Pour us up, too. He ate us up, man. Yeah, we had Kajana, and you guys had Eddie George, and Eddie was from Pennsylvania. And yeah. Was from here, so. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, right off the bat, Nick Singleton's going to be going to play. There's so much hype around him and Katron Allen, the two running backs. Um, Singleton was the Gatorade player of the year in the nation, the number one running back, um, kind of like your Henderson. Yep. Um, and obviously our Sable backs did not perform, and we just had a guy transfer out last week because he's getting passed over by these freshmen. Uh, so he will definitely play. Um, Danny Dennis Sutton, a defensive end, he probably should see some time. Um, Caden Saunders, I don't know if he's going to see the field this year, uh, just because uh, we're kind of loaded at that position with the transfer from uh, Western Kentucky as well. And you got Washington, but, what, don't don't you? Yeah. Yeah, we have we have Parker Washington, uh, Keandre Lambert Smith, and uh, Mitchell Tinsley. But Washington moved to the slot, and that's where Saunders is going to play. Okay. But um. Yeah, there's there's actually the offensive lineman they're talking about that's actually going to play some. And as a true freshman in Penn State, that's pretty unheard of. That might scare me a, a little bit. <laughs> you know, it takes a little while to develop. So Drew yeah. Shelton, one of them. And there's a um, defensive lineman from Florida down there, Sean. Uh, Zane Durant, I guess he's been uh, turning heads as well. Uh, so, yeah, but the biggest gem, hopefully, is the number one quarterback, five-star quarterback from Medina, Ohio. Yep. Right in Ohio State's backyard. Um we have him, and he obviously he's going to develop this year. Um, Christian Bayou is going to be our backup, but I'm excited to see what he can do. Is Sean, is, is it Sean Clifford from Cincinnati, or am I getting him yeah. mixed up? Yeah, yeah. he played at St. Xavier. Yeah, he is coming to Buckeye State and grab the guys that we don't want, apparently. <laughs> Anywho, Sean, what the heck is happening to recruiting right now, man? You guys are yeah. sucking it up. It all goes back to Jim Harbaugh flirting with the NFL and the turnover in coaches. I mean, it goes back to that focal point. What more can you say? I mean, they're getting some recruiting stuff in now to help build up the bolster of the class. But, yeah, we're way behind the eight ball right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm really – not that I'm worried. I'm actually celebrating it. But <laughs> I, think your, I think your 2023 class might be really bad. It's it, it's not looking it, good. Let's just put it this way: when uh, Lloyd Carr's grandson opts to go to Notre Dame as a yeah. five-star quarterback, yeah, that's kind of like a swift kick in the balls. So. <laughs> I was I, I I almost texted you that day and asked if you were okay, but I was like, ah, I probably shouldn't rub some salt in that wound just yet because uh, I'm sure you have plenty of plenty of comebacks for me after what happened last November. Well, JJ is going to be able to hold the stable down for, you know, the next two years or so. They're leading right now for a five-star recruit out of, what is it, Virginia or Texas next year. Last name Moore, who's a five-star recruit, who's about ready to, you know, pledge and commit. So if they get a five-star next year, I think we'll be all right. But just the fact that Lloyd Carr's grandson goes to Notre Dame, that's just a swift kick in the balls. All right, guys, prediction time. Let's do it. I'll start with you first, Sean. What is your prediction for your Wolverines this year, man? Um, 
this year. I think we'll finish second in the Big Ten East. I think we'll uh, finish with one loss at Ohio State. And then I think we'll win a, uh, I guess, a New Year's Day six bowl game and go about 12-1. Okay, since you went there, let's go there. Is it possible, given this year, do you think it's possible the Big Ten could get two teams in the college football playoff? With Alabama and Georgia in the SEC, I don't think there's no way in Hades that's going to happen. Okay. I mean, I could see if you guys are 11 and 1 and Ohio State's, or excuse me, 11 and 0, Ohio State's 11 and 0, and maybe Georgia doesn't look as good, uh, especially offensively, and their defense is. You, gonna... you you have to admit the media is against us. It's just. Oh yeah. Living well, here, as, living down here in the southeast, it's just retarded on how much <laughs> bias there is. Well, I'm, I mean, I shouldn't I shouldn't use that term because I might get cancel cultured by now. But you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're good on our show, buddy. Don't worry. Uh, you know, it's interesting that this most recent media uh, contract, that they literally went away from ABC and ESPN. I love it, personally. I think it's great. I, I I'm think like, it's oh. great, too. But then on the flip side, with now California wanting to cancel UCLA from joining the Big Ten in a couple of years, I mean, there's just so many forces out in this area against the Big Ten. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, the whole UCLA thing I think is a is a, is a political stunt. It's a farce. I don't see it happening. It's Kevin Warren has already you know talked about the fact that we're not done adding. He is going to push more. And this and and what's great about the contract with these meteorites is they're not etched in stone. They can get bigger based on who we add to this conference. Well, so. and and the fact that he said he's he is wanting to pay players now, I think that's a great thing. But, man, there's so many moving variables to this whole oh, yeah. thing that uh, that's a different topic for a different day. It, it really is. And every time we talk, guys, college football looks different. Every single time we talk. That's what's crazy who, about who it. Who was the guy that came to Ohio State last year, that Ewer guy? Who was the guy that came to Ohio Quinn Ewers, the quarterback yeah. in Texas? Yeah. Yeah, they came, came and made a million dollars and bounced without taking a snap. I mean, it's took, took a million Took a million dollars and rode, rode around a free truck for a, for about nine months and then bolted down to Texas and made two more million and got a whole new slew of automobiles. Dude's made $3 million, and he's not even thrown one college football pass yet. All on wow. expectations. And he didn't even play his senior year of high school. That's so unbelievable. It's just crazy. I can't even I can't even fathom that. Kevin, what's Penn State gonna do this year? Give me your expectations. You said nine and three. Is that what's what, what we're predicting here? Realistically, nine and three with my blue and white goggles. Obviously, I think we can run a table, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, my blue and white goggles get me in trouble every year because what seven and six last year, obviously, you know, we should it's a you know, you can blame injuries, but we should have depth and we should have had enough depth to overcome that, you know. But um, I think nine and three is realistic. I really do. Because, uh, you know, you could lose, we could lose to Purdue, Auburn, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State. That's five tough games right there, you know. So, you know, if we can win a few of those, I think, I think nine and three is pretty accurate. All right. You ready for me to really piss you off? Hey, me? Yeah. <laughs> I, I got you guys marked down at six and six. Oh. <laughs> I know. So that being said, you ready to make a bet? Let's do this. Uh, yes, I think we're definitely going to be better. In six. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay. Let's do it. Let's do a three-way bet here, guys. When we our teams play each other, 
All right. The winner gets to choose, as long as it's in within good taste, the profile picture for the other guy for one week. Oh hell yeah, I like that. Are you all right with that? I know Kevin, you're you're in you're out there selling homes, so we have to be careful. Are you okay with that? I'm absolutely I'm fine with that. <laughs> all right, there we go. Hey, Sean started this last year when he made Aaron and I look like uh, Aiden Hutchinson for a week. And I about got banned on my own social media platform on the, <laughs> the OHIO podcast from people being upset with me. So, so Sean, your day, your day of reckoning's coming, man. We'll see. <laughs> All right, hey guys, thanks for joining with me. I appreciate that, man. Didn't answer a- the question. What's our predicted record? Oh, yours? Yeah. I got, I got you guys at eleven and one. I think you guys run the table. Here's my prediction, <clears throat> and I don't want to l- let the cat out of the bag too early because I was going to talk about this next week. But I'll I'll just kind of mention it kind of real quickly here. I think this year's Ohio State Michigan game is on par with 2006, if not more. I think I think I think both teams are on a are going to be on a crash course now. <clears throat> when I did the Penn State preview, which you guys will hear at the end of this episode, um. I think Penn State, a good year for them would be finishing second in the Big Ten East, whether that's to us or the team up north. If they can beat one of us, whether it be Ohio State or team up north, and, and finish the season at 10-2 and two and go to a, a major bowl game, I think that's a win for, for because I think Penn State is on a youth movement is what I see. Oh, yeah. I, I think that they are – I think their best days are ahead of us. I really do. Or ahead of – of, of for you, Kevin, not for us. I'm not looking forward to those. I think the Ohio State Penn State clashes within the next couple of years are going to be epic. Um, and I, I just I just see that recruiting, and I think, man, Kirk Franklin see or, or Franklin has turned things around. I always say Kirk Franklin. I don't know why I call him Kirk. I have no idea why I call James Franklin Kirk, but I do. Let's just call him Jimmy. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> so I think. I think Penn State is going to have kind of like a rebuilding year. And if things don't start well for them, I can see James turning it over to the youth and saying, let's take our lumps now, but you guys are going to be are battle tested in 2023 and 2024. That's my got, that's my prediction for Penn State. I do have to add one thing. The last time we were unranked heading into the season was 2016, and we won the Big Ten. You did. You beat Wisconsin. If I'm not mistaken, yep. Yep. in the Big Ten Championship. How about Michigan so, last year? Unranked. So we did. Yeah. You mm. guys don't do well with high expectations. Jimmy doesn't. So we'll see. But we'll see. I'm I'm rooting for a, both of the, both of us to go 11 and 0 and go into that game and it just be epic because I'm actually getting a chance to go to that game. I got tickets already. First time in my life I'll get to go see the game in person. You've never seen the game in person at the No, I've never I've never had to, No, I've never wow. had I've seen every Big 10 team, most of them multiple times. I've never got to see Michigan and Ohio State. I was there for the 2016 or 2007 game, yeah. Man. It's fun. It's something. It's I, I'm I'm anticipating the next day after that recording to have no voice win or lose. So Looking forward to that. All right, guys. Hey, thanks a lot for joining me. I, I think it's going to be great. Um, it's upon us. It's gone by quick. I got to get go- I got to get going because I got a daughter to move into college down here. So 
All right, Sean. Thanks for joining us. Kevin, thanks for joining us. As always, OH! We are! Oh, Lord. See you guys later. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the OHIO podcast. Would you please help us and subscribe, review, and share our podcast from your favorite podcasting platform? This greatly helps us grow our show and reach more Buckeye fans like you. Also, please visit our website at theohiopodcast.com and follow us on the following social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also email the show at theohiopodcast at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and go back! And we are back. All right, guys. I know I sent you guys the interview that I had with Sean and Kevin. I want your your raw responses. Aaron, I'll start with you. Your response from hearing the interview that everybody just heard with Sean and Kevin. I just want to start by saying that, that, that I love Sean and Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> they kill me every time. I really wish I had been able to get on that phone call, man. But I we had a, a birthday party we had to go to, but – um, I don't think I mean, Sean gets the, the bragging rights. Let's let's just start there. He gets the bragging rights. And uh, <laughs> poor Kevin, I, I I think Penn State is looking up. You know what I mean? But I, I they're not there yet. They're just not. Um, I love six, how he's he literally said he owns two different pair of glasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, don't we all? But uh, <laughs> that's true. That's true. We absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Mine are just scarlet and gray instead of uh, blue and white. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But I. I mean, that team up north. You know, they're they're going to be our biggest threat this year. I I, I believe that. I mean, I, I'd like to say Notre Dame might be, but they're really bitten by the injury bug here. I don't know if you guys have seen much of that, but I think they've had a running back, a wide receiver too. Receiver. Yeah, they're trying to break in a new quarterback. Like they're. Uh, and I think they've got a couple defensive guys too, for that matter. But they're they're kind of banged up, so I'm not really looking for much of a game out of them. I'll be straight up about it. But uh, that team up north by the end of the season, uh, I they're going to be pretty solid again. I I believe that whether it's uh, McCarthy or McNamara that's that's playing, I think they're going to be pretty solid. As for what Sean said about Desmond Howard, uh, there is absolutely no freaking way that that wide receiver room is even in the same stratosphere, my dude. Like, no, I love you to death, but no, Desmond Howard is a known crack fiend. He just confirmed it. Uh, but no, that room is not on the same page. Running backs, perhaps, because the offensive line. But it, I, I genuinely, I don't think that either of those guys are as good as Travion Henderson. Donovan Edwards might have something to say, but you put Blake Corum on another team with a, a lesser de- uh, offensive line, and he's 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 a nobody. Woo! Strong take, Aaron. Bringing it, Chris. Your response from those interviews with uh, Sean and Kevin. They are entertaining. I will say that they are entertaining. Uh, uh, mad props to uh, and I've got Sean is our Michigan fan, correct? Yep. Uh-huh. Mad props to Sean for the Obi Wan Kenobi reference. All right, they you, they do have the high ground, okay? But let me tell you, it's just not happening. I'm I'm with Aaron here, hundred percent. You know, D- Desmond Howard, first of all, just proved he's as stupid as he is ugly. 
Yeah, Good Lord. Know, it's just, I don't know how you buy into that. I love the optimism. They do have the bragging rights, but, you know, I see them as, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but I see them as at least a two-loss team this year. Uh, you know, Penn State, I think they're going in the right direction. I feel for your guy, Kevin. I really do. Uh, I, I wish him luck. Let's just leave it at that. I wish them luck. As long All as they're right. not playing Ohio State. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's jump into our previews, guys. This is rivalry week, and we want to make sure that we spend time talking about these rivals. So let's start with Penn State. This is Eric Boggs from the OHIO podcast, and today we are going to preview the Penn State Nittany Lions. Penn State is a combined 11-11 in the past two seasons, including a 2-6 record over their past eight games. This is just unacceptable for Penn State fans. But that didn't stop head coach James Franklin from getting a 10-year contract extension worth $70 million. This contract came after rumors of him flirting with the idea of returning to the SEC as LSU's newest coach. But a recommitment to Penn State had immediate payoff as Penn State finished their 2022 recruiting class with three five-star recruits along with 13 four-star recruits, which was good enough to give them a top 10 class nationally and second only in the Big Ten to Ohio State. Now, can Franklin get these young, talented Nittany Lions to help bolster a pretty top-heavy veteran roster to make an impact in the Big Ten? Or will Franklin need to turn the reins of his team over to the youth and count 2022 as a, re- as a rebuilding season? Only time will tell. Penn State is located in University Park, Pennsylvania. They play their home games in Beaver Stadium, which sits 106,572 crazy Nittany Lion fans. Their overall school record is 909 wins, 404 losses, and 42 ties. That's a winning percentage of 686. Penn State's last conference championship in the Big Ten was in 2016. James Franklin is the head coach of the Nittany Lions. He has an overall record at the school of 67 wins and 34 losses in eight years. And he has an overall record of 91 and 49 as 11 seasons as a head coach. Last year, the Nittany Lions were 7-6 overall, 4-5 in the Big Ten, which was good enough for a fourth-place finish in the Big Ten East. Last season, as far as rankings are concerned in the Big Ten, beginning on offense, Penn State averaged 25 points per game, which was ninth in the Big Ten. They averaged 107.8 passing yards per game, which was 13th out of 14 teams in the Big Ten. However, rushing the football, they averaged 268.5 yards per game, which was 4th in the Big Ten, giving them a total of 376.4 total yards per game, which was 7th in the Big Ten right there in the middle. Defensively, however, the the Nittany Lions were much stronger. Penn State gave up an average of 17.3 points per game, which was good enough for second in the Big Ten last season. Defensively against the run, they gave up 152.7 yards per game. That was 10th in the Big Ten. And against the pass, they only gave up 199.8 yards per game, 
which was third in the conference. That was a combined 352.5 total yards per game, which was fifth in the Big Ten. Penn State claims two national championships, the first being in 1982 and the second four years later in 1986. Last season, Penn State lost to Arkansas from the SEC in the Outback Bowl by a score of 10-24. Key losses from last year's team include Jahan Dotson at wide receiver. Dotson had 183 receptions for the Nittany Lions in his career at Penn State for 2,757 yards and 25 touchdowns. He was selected in the first round of the 2022 NFL Draft, pick number 16 overall by the Washington Commanders. Jaquan Brisker at safety also left for the NFL. He finished his career there in uh, Happy Valley with 151 tackles, 85 which were solo, five interceptions, 14 pass deflections, one fumble recovery, and he was picked in the second round of the NFL Draft, pick number 48 overall by the Chicago Bears. Their other key loss was defensive end Arnold Ebikati. Ebikati was a transfer from Temple, and in his senior season there in Happy Valley, he had 62 tackles, 34 which were solo, 9.5 sacks, and he was picked up in the second round, pick number 38 by the Atlanta Falcons. Turning the page and looking forward, top returners for this season for Penn State include senior Sean Clifford at quarterback. Clifford last year was 261 completions on 428 attempts. That's a completion percentage of 61%. He had 21 passing touchdowns and only 8 interceptions for a QB rating of 134.4. Also returning is junior wide receiver Parker Washington. Last year in 2021, Washington had 64 receptions for 820 yards and 4 scores. On defense, redshirt sophomore Jair Brown returns. The safety had 73 tackles in 2021, 61 of which were solo. This also included one forced fumble, two fumble recoveries, six interceptions, five pass deflections, and one defensive touchdown. As far as this great recruiting class from 2022 that we talked about, five-star defensive line Danny Dennis Sutton will be making an impact right away. The 6'5", 250-pound defensive lineman was ranked 29th nationally, 7th at his position, and 1st in the state of Maryland. He is also joined on the offensive side by a pair of five stars. One is running back Nick Singleton. The 6-foot, 210-pound running back was ranked 31st nationally. First at his position is first in the state of Pennsylvania. Also was five-star quarterback Drew Allure from Medina, Ohio. The 6-4.5, 232-pound quarterback had an opportunity to flip late to Ohio State but decided to stick with his commitment to Penn State. He was ranked 32nd nationally overall, 4th at his position of quarterback, and 3rd in the state of Ohio. He's joined by fellow Ohio high school standout, 4-star wide receiver Caden Sanders. The 5'10", 172-pound Sanders played his high school ball in Westerville. He was ranked 55th nationally, 7th at the position of wide receiver, and 4th in the state of Ohio. Let us finish the following statements for Penn State. This season will be considered a success for Penn State if they can finish second in the Big Ten East and push to win 10 games overall. I 
do not believe Penn State has the roster to win the Big Ten East and a Big Ten championship, but if they can finish second and get to double digits and wins, I believe this will be considered a successful season for James Franklin based on his record over the past two seasons. The most critical games on Penn State's schedule are home against Ohio State and on the road against that team up north. Let's face it, Ohio State and Michigan are considered the two best teams in the Big Ten, and with Penn State's goal to at least get second in the division, they are going to need to beat one of these two teams. Penn State's threat level to Ohio State is 25%. Ohio State does have to travel to Beaver Stadium, but it will not be a whiteout at night. By this time in the season, Ohio State should be clicking on all cylinders and just don't see Penn State being a big threat to the Buckeyes' season. My predictions for Penn State this season are as such. I believe they start the season on the road at Purdue with a loss. I do believe the Boilermakers are able to hold home field and get the win against the Nittany Lions. They then come home for their first home game against Ohio University. That's a win. Before going back on the road, traveling down south in the SEC to Auburn, I think that's a loss. Another home game, this one against Central Michigan, that'll be a win. Followed by a home game against Northwestern, and I do believe Penn State gets their first Big Ten win then. Penn State then is on a bye before going on the road to face that team up north. I believe the Wolverines are going to dominate this game, and that'll be a loss for Penn State. I also believe that this will set Penn State on a losing streak that will include a loss at home against Minnesota and a loss at home against Ohio State before going on the, ran- for before going on the road and defeating Indiana. I believe they then come back home again and suffer their third straight loss at home, this one, to Maryland, before finishing the season at Rutgers with a win and at home uh, against Michigan State, and I believe that will be a win and will give Penn State bowl eligibility. I see Penn State's overall record this year as 6-6, and 4-5 in the Big Ten once again. This has been Buckeye Boggs from the OHIO Podcast. Stay tuned for another great preview. This one for that team up north. All right. I won't thank anybody for that since it was me there. But uh, the <laughs> <laughs> Penn State, uh, Aaron, Penn State football, dude. Uh, I got him at six and six. I know Cat probably really pissed Kevin off when I said that. But I I, I don't know, man. I, I Like I said in the, in the preview or with Kevin, if they start off bad, I could see James Franklin cutting ties with some of these veterans that aren't going to get him there and going straight youth movement and taking his licks this year. Yeah, I, I, I'm not too far off from you. I think I had him at like eight and four. Um, but what Kevin yeah. was saying, like I think he had him like nine and three. I think that's like absolute. Best case scenario, the other team's star players, like all of them get injured, you know, which I hope doesn't happen. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I just feel like Penn State is not – they're going to have a little bit of a down year. I really hope that they go down to Auburn and beat them. I really hope that that happens. I think we all agree on that one regardless of what Big Ten team you cheer for. But, yeah, I just – I feel like eight and four is a, a good number for them. Six and six is – six and six, excuse me, is, is realistic though. That is very possible. Uh, I'm telling you, I, I've looked at this every which way. Can they do better than that? Can they get to nine and three, which is what the realistic, realistic number that Kevin said it was? Yes, they absolutely can. But I see a lot of 
of one score games on that on, on that schedule, man, that could go either way. And based off the track record the last couple of years, yeah, I'm leaning towards the, the last couple of years as kind of my as my go to on that. Chris, your thoughts on Penn State, man? Yeah, I'm with you, Eric. I've got him at six and six. I'm not. I just don't have the confidence a in that run game over there at Penn State right now. And honestly, I I think they have a great start to the season. I think they go four and one to start the season. The only loss I, I do have it coming in Auburn, Aaron. Uh, I hope they win, but at the same time, I've got them losing to Auburn. Their biggest problem, they they play in the East, yeah. and and the teams they drew for the West, uh, with Minnesota in, in that mix, it's just, just a tough run on the road. Start the season on the yeah. road at Purdue. That is not easy, as Kevin Mitt. He's like he's worried about that. I would be too. How many times have they gotten us? Yeah. yeah. You know, they are, especially at home, a tough team. So, yeah, I, I've got them going six and six as well, Eric. I I think they're bowl eligible. I think they've got some good pieces in place. I just don't think they're there yet. Uh, and like I said with Kevin, I think Penn State's better days are ahead of them. Like, I, if you, if you follow recruiting, they will overtake Michigan in, in, a, in a season or two as far as the second-best team in the East. They, they will. Just based purely on, on recruiting numbers, Penn State had a dynamite 2022 class, man. Uh, their, their best guys are, are, are freshmen. They just are. Um, so yeah. I, think, I think Penn State's better days are ahead of them. If they can keep those guys there, you're right. And that's the Aaron. That's that's yeah. the name of the game now. Is and and Ryan yeah. Day said every off season you have to re-recruit your guys. That's the nightmare. And you look at it. Day, Day had so much success playing young guys last year. It wouldn't surprise me to see other teams follow in in his you know footsteps there with that integrating these guys. Maybe just specifically hoping to keep them there. If you're not going to compete and win a division, I'm not against cutting ties with some of the guys who aren't getting it done, even if they're older That's veterans, true. and and giving those youngsters and underclassmen a chance to learn on the job. Um, that it's just it's reality. It's the world we live in today. I know a lot of coaches want to be loyal to your seniors and your upperclassmen, but with the way the transfer portal works, man, if those are valuable game time snaps, Eric, too. At- you can't. You can't replace that with practice snaps. Those are game time reps. Well, that's that's exactly what Nick Saban does. If they are not contributing by the beginning of their junior season, a lot of times he will let them go. Yeah, he he cuts them. Even though you don't cut people in college football, medical retirement, he cuts them. Yeah. Yeah. You see, you see, you see Alabama guys in transfer portal all the time. Yeah, or they end up in JUCO and then they come back. You know what I mean? It's that is that is so commonplace. Yeah, People to, don't know about it, but yeah, it's yeah. very common. They go to JUCO and then they go to Michigan, and Michigan thinks it's the greatest thing ever. Yeah, he was yeah, a five what, star to Alabama. What just happened? Exactly. Amen. <laughs> I, I just wonder what kind of yes. off the field troubles are following that kid. That's all I'm gonna say. Hey, we'll find out. issues. It sounds like. Well, hey, speaking of that team up north, it's time for their preview. So, Chris, take her away. Hello, everyone. This is Chris Wilds from the OHIO Podcast. And today we are previewing the Michigan Wolverines. 
Last season, Coach Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines finally attained their first victory over the rival Ohio State Buckeyes during Jim Harbaugh's tenure as head coach, and in doing so, they earned their first trip to the Big Ten Championship game, where they defeated the Iowa Hawkeyes and earned their first berth in the college football playoff. The Wolverines used a strong run game and an attacking defense to pile up 12 wins on the season before falling short against the eventual national champion Georgia in the college football semifinal game. So the big question this season is, can Harbaugh and the Wolverines repeat their success of a season ago, or is 2021 just another once-in-a-decade season for the Wolverines, which has been their MO for the better part of the last 20 years now? Only time will tell. The University of Michigan football team plays their home game at Michigan Stadium in Ann Arbor, Michigan. The stadium, affectionately known as the Big House by the Wolverine Faithful, seats 107,601 fans officially, but is hosting crowds in excess of 115,000, making it the largest college football stadium in the country and the third largest stadium in the world. The University of Michigan has been playing football since 1881 and is entering their 133rd season in 2022. They have an all-time record of 950 wins, 344 losses, and 35 ties. That's an all-time winning percentage of 73.4. Michigan has been a member of both the Big Ten Conference as well as its predecessor, predecessor the Western Conference. Michigan claims 43 conference championships, the last, of course, being in 2021 when they went 12-2 and made the trip to the college football playoff. The head coach of the Wolverines is Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh is entering his 12th season as a head coach in college after four fairly successful seasons as a head coach in the NFL. In the pros, Harbaugh had an overall record of 44-19-1, a winning percentage of 695, and he made a Super Bowl appearance in 2012, losing to his brother John in the Baltimore Ravens. Since returning to college, Harbaugh spent four years at Stanford, where he amassed a record of 29-21, a winning percentage of 580, and he's entering his eighth season at Michigan with a record of 61-24 for a winning percentage of 71.8. He is also, as previously mentioned, coming off his first Big Ten championship. Last year, as I mentioned, the Wolverines were 12-2 and and did win the Big Ten Conference and make their first college football playoff appearance. In the conference, Michigan finished 8-1 in the Big Ten, their only loss coming to number 8 Michigan State in late October. After that loss, the Wolverines finished fairly strong with wins at number 23 Penn State at Maryland versus number 2 Ohio State and versus Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game in Indianapolis. Let's take a look at last year's offensive and defensive rankings. Offensively last year, the Wolverines scored 35.8 points per game, which was second in the Big Ten. They rushed for 214.4 yards per game. That was first in the conference. They had 228.7 yards passing per game, which was seventh in the Big Ten, and an average of 447 0.6 yards per game total offense, which was second in the conference. Defensively, Michigan only allowed 17.4 points per game, which was the fourth best in the Big Ten. They allowed 126 rushing yards per game, which was fifth, and they surrendered 204.4 passing yards per game, good enough for fourth in the conference. Michigan allowed an average of 330.4 yards of total offense per game, which was fourth in the Big Ten Conference. Michigan has an all-time bowl record of 21-28 in 49 appearances. That is a winning percentage of 429. Michigan's last bowl appearance was a loss to eventual national champion Georgia last season. In the college football semifinal game played in the Orange Bowl, they lost by the score of 34-11. Michigan football does claim 11 national titles, those coming in 1901, 1902, 1903, 1904, 
1918, 1923, 1932, 1933, 1947, 1948, and 1997. He was second Heisman voting last season and was drafted number two overall by the Detroit Lions. Safety Daxton Hill had a very productive junior year, culminating in him being taken number 31 overall in the first round of the draft by the Cincinnati Bengals. As a junior in 2021, Hill had 69 tackles, four and a half tackles for loss, half a sack, two interceptions, eight passes defensed, and a fumble recovery. They also lost linebacker David Ojobo, Ojobo, was drafted number 45 overall in the second round of the 2022 NFL Draft by the Baltimore Ravens. Jobo had 35 tackles, 12 tackles for loss, and 11 sacks in 2021. He also had three passes, defensive fumble recovery, and forced five fumbles. Offensively, the defense, the, uh, the Michigan Wolverines did lose two key pieces, the first being offensive tackle, Andrew Stuber, who went in the second, uh, seventh round of the draft, number 245 to the New England Patriots. Stuber was a versatile player who played multiple positions on the line, including right tackle where he was all Big Ten his senior season. Of course, the biggest loss on offense was definitely Hassan Haskins. Haskins was drafted in the fourth round, 131st overall by the Tennessee Titans. In 2021, the senior ran for 1,327 yards on 270 carries and 20 touchdowns while splitting time with Blake Corum. He also added 18 catches for 131 yards as well. So who's coming back in 22 that gives this team hope for a repeat of last year's success? Well, it all starts up front with offensive linemen, and that is big Zach Zenter. Offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis said that Zach Zenter might be Michigan's top offensive player on the roster. At 6'6 six six and 325 pounds, Zentner has established himself as a critical piece along with uh, that offensive line, which has recently been named among the premier offensive lines in all of college football. Running back Blake Corum, though in, slowed by an injury last season, Corum still finished his sophomore campaign with 952 yards rushing, 11 touchdowns, 144 carries. He also had 24 receptions for 141 yards and a touchdown out of the backfield. Let's talk about quarterback J.J. McCarthy. Now, I know it was Cade McNamara who brought home the gold in 2021, but this team was in the middle of the pack as far as passing offense, and you don't have Hassan Haskins back there to do half that heavy lifting running the ball this season. At some point, Michigan is going to need to throw the ball to win. McCarthy is a playmaker with a big arm, and he can make just about any throw on the football field. Beyond the power and accuracy of his arm, McCarthy has repeatedly shown his ability to escape the pocket and create with his feet as well. Then there's defensive lineman Mozzie Smith. The junior is critical to Michigan's success in 2022. The 6'3", 322-pound product of Grand Rapids, Michigan, has appeared in a total of 20 games throughout his three-year career, including 13 starts last season. Smith's 37 tackles were the most among defensive linemen on the Michigan roster last season, meaning that his production is going to be key in the success of this Michigan defense. Running back Donovan Edwards. Now, Edwards' rushing stats may not blow you away. He only had 35 carries for 174 yards and three touchdowns last season, but the kid was set third on the depth chart by two pretty good backs in Haskins and Quorum. He also averaged five yards a carry. 
In addition to that, against Maryland, Edwards set a career high with 10 receptions for 170 yards and a touchdown. That's the most receiving yards ever for a Michigan running back. Against Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game, Edwards tossed a 75-yard pass to wide receiver Roman Wilson for his first touchdown pass of his collegiate career. The kid's a big-time player and will have major impact this season. So let's take a quick look at some recruits who could have an impact as true freshmen. Defensive back Will Johnson has to highlight this group. Will Johnson was the 15th ranked player nationally according to the 247 Sports Composite. He was third best among corners, top recruit out of the state of Michigan. His talent strengthened that defensive back uh, defensive backfield, and he is just a playmaker. Now, cornerbacks DJ Turner and Javon Green do give the, re- the Wolverines a great starting duo returning, but this kid's skill set is going to make it really hard to keep him off the field. Then there's freshman defensive lineman Mason Graham. Coming in at 317 pounds and at a position of need, the early enrollee figures to be a factor in the rotation. There's really needs bodies and someone to pressure this uh, the quarterback. He's drawn brave reviews through spring ball and is expected to be a contributor this season, even though it's only his first year. I look for this kid to be in the two-deep rotation at the nose tackle position for the start of the season. Defensive back Zeke Berry is an extremely athletic and speedy player. He's only 5'11", 197 pounds, but that's decent size for a defensive back. He's solid in coverage. He's a good tackler, and he hits like a freight train coming up from the safety position. I think he's going to be in the two deep somewhere along that defensive backfield, whether it's in the nickelback or at one of the safety slots. But he is an impact player who I do see being a big source of production this season. Then there's defensive lineman Derek Moore. The four-star arrived on campus at 250 pounds. It was thought he was just going to be an edge rusher when he first came in. That's still may be the case, but during his fall weigh-in, Moore weighed 279 pounds. Now he's got the size and the ability to play inside or out. Moore, who is already thought to be an instant impact player, could affect the field at multiple positions. And if the spring game is any indication, this kid could wreak havoc as early as the first snap of the season. Then there's wide receiver Darius Clemens. Clemens has good college size already. He's 6'3", 214 pounds. He's got a reputation as being an incredible route runner, and he's great to create separation. Look for this kid to get early snaps often in what Desmond Howard says is the best wide receiver room in the country. Safety Keon Saab. Michigan's got to replace those two starting defensive safeties. That means there is definitely going to be room in the two deep for incoming freshman like Saab. He has elite athleticism and could figure into that defensive backfield rotation as well as being a key member of special teams. Defensive tackle Kenneth Grant has two big things going for him. First of all, he is the largest player at Michigan at 357 pounds. Secondly, he plays what we have already addressed as a position of need in that defensive tackle. He's reportedly having a pretty good start to fall camp. It seems evidence that he will see the field early and often. He could potentially be a difference maker in his first year. So let's finish the following statements. This season will be considered a success for Michigan if Michigan wins the Big Ten and returns to the college football playoff. The most critical games on this team's schedule are... Well, this team has been widely criticized here on this show specifically for what is really a pretty favorable schedule. I don't want to say it's soft, but it's soft. Michigan really has few challenges this year. I think their biggest struggles are going to come October 29th at home versus Sparty, and then the final game of the season when they visit Columbus, Ohio to face off with the Buckeyes. This team's threat level to Ohio State is, well, as a Buckeye fan, I'm going to do my best to not be biased here, and I'm going to say 35%. 
while the Wolverines do return a good portion of the second-best offense in the Big Ten from last season, they lost a ton from that defense, including their starting safeties and arguably the best pass-rushing duo in the conference. I just don't see the Wolverines being able to contend with the juggernaut that is the Ohio State offense, but I will say they do have a chance, and that's why I'm putting it at 35%. So my predictions for the Michigan Wolverines record this season, they open up the season at Colorado versus Colorado State. I think that's a win at home. They're also at home versus Hawaii, which will be another win. A third consecutive home game versus Connecticut should be a win as well. Their first conference game is a home matchup versus Maryland. And while Maryland is much improved, I do see Michigan eking this one out. They then go on the road for a rematch of last year's championship game versus Iowa. I think Michigan wins this one again. They're in at then at Indiana. I think this is an easy win for the Wolverines. They're at home versus Penn State, which I think is a win. They then have a bye week. Following the bye, they have that October 29th game versus Michigan State, and I predict that Sparty will once again upset Michigan. After that, they write the ship against Rutgers. They have a home game versus Nebraska, which I think will be closer than most people think, but Michigan will pull out. They then face Illinois at home. I think this is a win. Before they go on the road to Columbus, the last game of the season, and I predict that Ohio State will win that game. So by my count, that is a 10-2 record, 8-2 in the Big Ten. It's a return to normalcy for the Wolverines, who may have to wait another decade before winning the Big Ten East again. This has been Chris Wilds for the OHIO Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed our preview of the 2022 Michigan Wolverines. All right, thank you, Chris, for that uh, preview of that team up north. I know it's really hard to do that, man. It's it's quite depressing. I've done it before. It's I, I hate doing just, that. Just not letting the bias spill over is the hard part, man. I know, I know. Not being biased. Here we go. Uh, you heard me say it to Sean. I'm going to say it again right now. I think that team up north goes 11-0 and heading into the last game in November in the shoe. I think my prediction is Ohio State 11 and 0, that team up north 11 and 0, we get to relive 20 or 2006 all over again. I'm not saying it's 1 versus 2, maybe it's 2 versus 3 or 1 versus 3, but that will be the biggest game in college football up to that date. I I think we're heading towards that. Now Chris, I know you got maybe a little bit different opinion than me on that. Aaron, I think you're in the same boat as me. Yeah, yeah, I got them. Uh, I have them being undefeated up to the point that they come play us. You know what the difference is, though, Eric? They don't have this. The winner's manual. <laughs> they don't have the freaking winner's manual. Jim Harbaugh got lucky, okay? I'm just going to say that. Some things went their way, did not go our way. We lost the game. I'm not upset about it. I was at the time I've let go. I've went through the seven or eight, nine, 26 steps of grievance, whatever it is now. Uh, just get on Twitter. It changes daily, I'm sure. But uh, I'm over it. They're not going to win this year. That team up north will end with one loss. I, I just don't see, unless there's an upset, okay, looking at their schedule right now, Maryland is a threat, but they get them at home. Maryland has to go to Ann Arbor. Penn State, I don't think they can get it done in Ann Arbor. Uh, Sparty, maybe, I, but I, I don't think so. Maybe 
other than that, I just I don't see any threat to them. They got Hawaii, Connecticut. What? It's baby poop, man. What is this? This looks like what Alabama does at the end of the year. Why didn't you just schedule Stephen F. Austin? Like, what are you dating? Why didn't you do? Why, why not Ohio Wesleyan? Why didn't you play them? What? So yeah. How, I, I, looking at their schedule, the only other game that I think the Michigan fan base have circled as being like, hey, this is one you got to be careful of at Iowa. Kinnick Stadium, especially if that's a night game, Kinnick Stadium can produce weird outcomes at night. Can. So, but I, I don't, I think that'll probably end up being a big noon game. Iowa will come in sleepy. They'll run right over them, more than likely. I can and see I, that being the case. It's, I don't think Iowa's going to be able to score with them. Iowa's offense is trash, dude. They always have been. They're always mediocre, but they play good defense. And if Michigan goes up by, let's say it's, Let's say it's 24 to 7 at halftime. Oh, there's there's a the very yeah, there's a very solid chance that this game ends up being uh 31 to to 10. You know yeah. what I mean? Cuz Iowa's offense isn't and never has been under Kirk Ferentz built to make a comeback of any sort. No. Even when even several years ago when I think it was 2016 when we went into Iowa after the come from behind win at home against Penn State and JT Barrett had his worst game as a Ohio State quarterback. A lot of that scoring from Iowa that game came on the defensive side. Yeah. They had to pick six right off the bat. They had another interception that put them in like easy scoring position. And and there was nothing we could do offensively to eat, combat that. And so even when so when you play Iowa, if you take care of the football and you just play a little bit of a trestle ball with them, you'll you'll beat them. Because they just can't score the football. Now, Chris, you have, you do not have that team up north going 11 and 0, going into the final game against Ohio State, do you? No, I do not. I think that Sparty gets them again. Really? You know, Mr. Coach Klein up there in Ann Arbor seems to have a little bit of trouble. You know, maybe he's Aaron's book and not coaching for dummies. Uh, you know, but he seems to have as much trouble with Sparty as he does with the Buckeyes. Yeah, gone. That hurt my feelings. I got a lot of feelings, Chris. You just hurt every damn one of them. What are you doing? You danced on them. <laughs> coaching I'm, for I'm dummies. My coaching for dummies book is sacred. Don't you ever talk on it. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, you know, I don't think I, I don't think Harbaugh is as good a coach as Mel Tucker. He's I not. Truly, I know he's not. I think that Michigan may have thoroughbreds, but let me tell you. Michigan State's got enough good horses in the race that I think they can pull the upset. Who do they have that replaces Kenneth Walker, though? Because that's trans- really how they like beat him. They got the tra- they transferred out of the Colorado. Yeah, but I, we don't. You you don't know about a transfer until you see him. Of course, we didn't know about Kenneth Walker until all of a sudden he exactly. busted it out. And we were that's like, true. oh. So can this happen again? Maybe. But if you go back to um twenty was it twenty twenty? Yeah, twenty twenty. Yeah. They didn't beat them by running the football. They went over the top on and them. And they can do that again. They they have a good you – know, their quarterback is is very, very serviceable. I'm not going to call him great, but he's he's good. Uh, you know, I think they have a really nice wide receiving uh, group. I, I think that they can put up enough points, and I think that Michigan will shoot themselves in the foot somewhere along the way because that's what they do. You know, against Michigan State, let's all remember the punt. Yeah. 
You know, it's true. I, I yeah. could just see Michigan State going in there and getting the win. Hmm. All right. So I hope so. Sort of. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I would love to see 11 and 0, 11 and 0 because yeah. I got I'm yeah, going to the game, guys. This is my first this is my first Michigan game, dude. And so, is it really? Yeah. I've never gotten to go to a Michigan. I've seen every team in the Big Ten multiple times, but I've never had the opportunity to see an Ohio State Michigan game. How did you miss that? Uh, dumb luck, dude. I just really, yeah. Dag on. Okay. I've only been to one, so I mean, it's you know, it is what it is. Well, when you and like and like I said to Sean. When you get back home to Ohio, the next time you're home in Ohio and the game's in Ann Arbor, we're all three going to that game. So, well, Lord willing, it'll be next season. There we go. All Crossing right. Fingers. Yeah, we're, we're hopeful. We're hopeful, my man. <laughs> <clears throat> all right, guys, that's our show for this week, man. So, hey, starting next week, guys, starting next Sunday, from that moment on, we go to two shows a week during the season, guys. We do our preview show, and we do our uh, review show. On Sundays, we do our preview show in the midweek. So we'll preview Ohio State next Sunday, and then the and then I think that next Thursday night, we'll have your Notre Dame preview. So we'll break down the Irish the best we can heading into the season opener. I know we're getting a lot more listeners now coming in since the season's kicking off. For all of you true uh, faithful ones who've been with us uh, through the offseason, thank you so much for hanging around during the offseason and being a part of the OHL podcast. To all you new ones, hey, give us a five-star review if you liked what you heard. Uh, we bring it to you, and we have other shows as well. We've got the Varsity Video Show where we talk about sports movies. I even do Buckeye Tobacco where I do cigar reviews if you like that. And we have our Shots from the Shot, our Buckeye Basketball podcast when basketball rolls around. So there's a lot of content here for you all to like. So make sure that you, like I said, give us that five-star review. We really appreciate that. Share it with your friends and family so more Buckeye fans can get in tune with the best podcast by fans for the fans. That's what we are. As always, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH and sing Carmen, Ohio with all your heart. And until next time, OH! I owe! Go Bucks! Oh, come, let's sing Ohio's praise and songs through armor while our hearts rebounding thrill. And joy which death alone can still. Summer's heat, oh, winter's cold. The seasons pass, the years will roll. Time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship. Oh, This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. 
Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.